This is Finding Center, a daily hour of spiritual focus. Today on Finding Center, the theme is Remembering the Lord Our God. In the first half, Elder Ulysses Suarez shares his address, Always Remember Him. Then in the second half, Kurt Holman speaks on Raising Your Ebenezer, a monument to remember. Good morning, dear students, faculty, and staff. What a privilege is for my wife, Rosanne, and me to be with you today. We are thrilled for this opportunity. Thank you all for taking the time to be with us today. What a wonderful sight we have from this pulpit. You look all good and wonderful. Your faith and love for the Lord are very evident. I know how busy you are, and I know you could be doing something else at this hour. I compliment you for choosing to be here with us. I bring love and greetings from the First Presidency and Quorum of the Twelve Apostles to all of you. They think and pray for you more than you can imagine, and I hope you feel how much we and the Savior love you through my message today. As I was preparing for this devotional, it came to my mind how special and blessed you are, all of you. You came to earth during a very significant time in the world history. You have been preserved to be born at this time when we are preparing for the second coming of Jesus Christ. President Russell M. Nelson, our prophet, and his wife, Sister Wendy Nelson, recently addressed the youth of the Church, and they referred to them as a special generation, and surely that applies to you, young adults as well. Let's listen what they said. Our Heavenly Father has reserved many of His most noble spirits, perhaps I might say His finest team, for this final phase. Those noble spirits, those finest players, those heroes are you. You are among the best the Lord has ever sent to this world. There's never been a time like this in the history of this world. Never. Truly, there has never been a time like this in the history of this world. We are living in a time of significant technological, medical, and scientific advancements. Information is available to everyone. Not long ago, when I was your age, we didn't have any of these powerful tools you have in your hands available that allowed us to communicate and obtain information so quickly. This is a great time to be alive. However, we are living in challenging times that have been prophesied by centuries by prophets and apostles, both ancient and modern. Throughout history, they have expressed their concerns about the last days. We have seen steadily declining moral values that have dramatically changed the world through the years. Modern communication has drawn people into the world and its values, and secularism has changed the way people see God's hand in their lives. As a result, we witness an increasing number of people who are confused about their identity as children of our Heavenly Father. They also have become confused about what really matters in life, and many who were once strong in faith have developed a spiritual apathy. My dear friends, you are truly a chosen generation. 
the hope of Israel in these days, and a generation that has been given many promises, including increased access to excellent health care, remarkable educational opportunities, and financial prosperity beyond any generation in time. In many regards, you live a higher quality of life than ancient kings, queens, and emperors. You are the hope of God to help God's children to remember Him, His love, and His sacrifice for them, to see His loving arms reaching out to them. We learn in the scriptures about this cycle of prosperity and pride that has affected God's children throughout human history. In simple words, it is very clear that when people have remembered the Lord, they have prospered. But when they forgot Him, they fell into this cycle of pride because of their rich technological advances and educational opportunities, and then as a result became a people who rejected the Lord, His covenants, and forgot the poor, needy, and the strangers around them. Eventually, their society collapsed because they had become morally bankrupted. Then, through the resulting trials, they become humble, repent, and turn back to the Lord. The same cycle has occurred throughout history among many powerful nations and empires. I recently was reading about Uzziah, one of the kings of Judah, who lived between 792 to 740 B.C. His name in Hebrew, Uzziah, means Jehovah is my strength or Jehovah's strength. His life relates to what I just mentioned. At first, Uzziah was known as someone who was remembered the Lord in his life. Even his own name helped him remember the Lord. Uzziah began his reign by seeking, listening, and worshiping the Lord. The Bible states, quote, And he, Uzziah, did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, and he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God gave, made him to prosper. Close quote. It was during the reign of Uzziah that the kingdom of Judah experienced the greatest period of prosperity and influence since the reign of the King Solomon. But unfortunately, pride in his military triumphs, pride in his great power and wealth, caused him to forget the Lord. Because of this sin, Uzziah was struck with leprosy. Because of his disease, Uzziah was forced to live isolated from his people until he died. Uzziah prospered in every way in his life while he remembered the Lord. But when he forgot him, Uzziah experienced heartbreak, disappointment, and sorrow for his sin. Based on what happened to Uzziah, how can a special generation like yours, who has received so many promises, avoid the cycle of prosperity and pride? How can you avoid being affected by modern-day leprosies that destroy us and afflict us? How can you apply Uzziah's experience in your life and always remember the Lord in all you do? These are the same questions I ask myself. In light of Uzziah's story, 
Let's consider one of the covenants that we renew weekly when we partake of the sacrament, the covenant to always remember Him, the Savior. This covenant is repeated in both sacrament prayers. An important word of this covenant is remember. And the word remember is constantly used in the scriptures. It appears hundreds of times in the scriptures. In ancient Israel, the word remember was used in many instances to help the Lord's people to remember what He had done for them in times past. It was even more commonly used in the context of covenants the Lord made with His people. The children of Israel, like many today, had a difficult time remembering the Lord and His commandments, and because of their forgetfulness, they often suffered painful consequences. That is one of the reasons the Lord used the word remember. For example, the journey of Israel from Egypt began with, and I quote, Remember this day in which ye came out from Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by strength of hand the Lord brought you out from his place. Close quote. So the word remember comes from the Latin word memor and means to be mindful of. And re means again. So in this context, the word remember means to have in or be able to or bring to one's mind an awareness of someone or something that has seen, known, or experienced in the past. There is a strong correlation between the emotion felt and the resulting memory. Thus, the stronger the emotion, the more vivid and influential is the memory. In the Hebrew context, the word remember involves a knowledge that is accompanied by appropriate action, thus doing is an essential part of the remembering. That is exactly what happened with Uzziah, the king of Judah, isn't it? Even Uzziah's own name reminded him where he was to turn for help during his life as he made decisions. In summary, the more we remember the Lord, the more power we will have to keep on the path doing what the Lord expects from us. In this sense, when we partake of the sacrament, we witness unto God, the Eternal Father, that we will remember the Savior in our mind, in our heart, at all times, and in all places. We promise that we will keep in our hearts vivid emotions and feelings of gratitude for His sacrifice, for His love, and His gift for us. We also promise that we will act upon these memories, feelings, and emotions. One year following the restoration of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Lord gave to Joseph Smith a revelation that is found in Doctrine and Covenants, section 59. This section gives a broader dimension to the covenant of always remember him. This is what the Lord instructed Joseph Smith, and I quote, Thou shalt offer a sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in righteousness, even that of a broken heart and a contrite spirit, and that thou mayest more fully keep thyself unspotted from the world, thou shalt go to the house of prayer and offer up thy sacraments upon my holy day, 
Nevertheless, thy vows shall be offered up in righteousness on all days and at all times. But remember that on this, the Lord's day, thou shalt offer thine oblations and thy sacraments unto the Most High, confessing thy sins unto thy brethren and before the Lord. Close quote. Through this revelation, the Lord taught us about the why, the how, and the what to do to always remember Him. The why? To fully keep thyself unspotted from the world. The how? That thy vows shall be offered up in righteousness with a broken heart and contrite spirit. And finally, the what? To offer thine oblations and thy sacraments unto the Most High, confessing thy sins unto thy brethren and before the Lord. This scripture mentions the word oblations. In the scriptures, the word oblation implies a full devotion to the Lord, offering Him a broken heart and a contrite spirit. It also means any sacrifice we make for the Lord. Thus, the covenant of always remembering Him relates to sacrificing everything for the Lord with a broken heart and a contrite spirit. All this confirms that remembering the Savior is to act upon the things that will keep us on the path to righteousness. What a priceless gift has been given to us as we partake of the emblems of the broken body and the shed blood of the Master on His Sabbath day. As we partake of the sacrament, we eat the broken bread in remembrance of His body. We drink the water in remembrance of His blood that was shed for us. And the covenant with the Lord that we always remember Him. We then receive the marvelous promise to always have His Spirit to be with us if we act upon our covenant. Partaking of the sacrament is regarded in such importance by our Heavenly Father that we are admonished to partake of it regularly every Sunday. So, my dear friends, the covenant of always remember Him should influence and inspire us in every decision and action in our lives. King Benjamin in the Book of Mormon taught, and I quote, Therefore, I would that ye should take upon you the name of Christ. All you that have entered into the covenant with God, that ye should be obedient unto the end of your lives. And I would that ye should remember also that this is the name that I said I should give unto you that never should be blotted out except it be through transgression. Therefore, take heed that ye do not transgress that the name be not blotted out of your hearts, thus remembering the Savior every single day affects every single decision we make. In effect, for example, how we speak, what we choose to do, to watch, to read, and to listen to, and how we treat one another, I can assure you that the Lord Himself will inspire these decisions guide us in our challenges, and assure that the harvest will be positive. I definitely can assure you that we won't be affected by the modern-day leprosies 
that are conducting people away from the path of righteousness. My dear friends, given the reality of the atonement of Jesus Christ, life has eternal and divine possibilities for those who always remember Him. It is of a central importance to remember the feelings we have when we partake of the sacrament. We are preparing for eternal life and exaltation as we partake of the sacrament and promise to remember the Savior in our hearts and minds, knowing that will help guide us in every decision and action. I invite you to join me in reflecting about the impact this important principle can have in our personal lives. Please consider some of the things we can do to always remember Jesus Christ. The Savior said, and I quote, Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Close quote. Our Savior Jesus Christ was motivated by His commitment to always remember the Father, to always do God's will because of His infinite love for God and for us. His sincere prayer in Gethsemane still echoes in my mind. Abba, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thy wilt. Paraphrasing the words of the hymn, I Stand All Amazed, composed by Charles H. Gabriel, I declare to you, that I stand all amazed by the moment when Jesus was nailed to the cross and while still stumbling under his load, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. My dear friends, I stand all amazed that for me he was crucified, that for me a sinner he suffered, he bled, died, and was resurrected. And he promised me that if I have a contrite spirit, acknowledging my sins and my shortcomings, and if I am willing to repent, loving God's children like the Savior, the Lord will guarantee my forgiveness and my place at His side. It is wonderful that even for a man like me, there is a chance if I always remember Him. I share my testimony with you today that these words are true and worth remembering. I love my Savior. I adore Him. I love my Heavenly Father. I worship Him in the name of His beloved Son. As one of His ordained apostles on earth, I leave a blessing upon you, a blessing to help you to always remember and recognize the Savior in your lives a blessing to help you to always remember to come unto Him, to allow His influence to guide your thoughts and feelings and your decisions, to always follow Him, a blessing to always look to Him in moments of distress, in moments of difficulties, in moments of depression and challenges, and a blessing that will allow you to feel of the Savior's love and His real concern for your well-being. I plead with you, my dear friends, to remember that you are precious children of our Heavenly Father. 
reserved to come to earth at this point in history. Remember that you were chosen by the Father to come at this time because you can have the power to face the challenges of this era. Please remember that happiness and peace in this life and in the world to come depend upon remembering the Savior and your covenants with Him daily. I testify to you that Jesus Christ lives. I know He lives. I know He leads this church through prophets, seers, and revelators. I assure you with all my heart that you will be very safe if you follow the teachings of our prophets in these very difficult days. Let's not allow the rich and marvelous blessings we enjoy to create confusion in our minds and hearts as they did with King Uzziah and many others. I witness that when we put our trust in the Savior, in His love, and in His atoning sacrifice, seek for His help, even in the things that are confusing us, Jehovah will be our strength, and Jehovah will help us as He did for Uzziah before his fall. I invite you to feel his love and have faith that he'll come to you. I promise in his name that he is near and that he will indeed come to you. He will always be with us. Let's always remember the Savior. Let's always remember his love. This is my sincere testimony and love for all of you that I share in the name of our Savior, our Redeemer, even Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been listening to Finding Center. Our theme today is Remembering the Lord Our God. We've just heard from Ulysses Suarez. After the break, we'll return with Kurt Holman for Raising Your Ebenezer, a monument to remember. This is Finding Center, a daily hour of spiritual focus. Our theme today is Remembering the Lord Our God. Next is Kurt Holman, Associate Chair of the BYU Department of Dance at the time of this address, titled Raising Your Ebenezer, a Monument to Remember. Good morning, brothers and sisters, and thank you for coming. It's my distinct honor to present this week's University Devotional. I pray that the Spirit will attend me as I share feelings that are very close to my heart. One of my favorite religious hymns was written by Robert Robinson in the year 1758. The melodic stanzas of the song, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, brings with it a certain reflective feeling that prompts me to ponder the love that God has for each of His children. Each time I hear the hymn, I find myself humming the tune throughout the day with the words playing in my mind. I've always found the first phrase of the second verse to be particularly curious. I quote, Here I raise mine Ebenezer, hither by thy help I've come. Here I raise mine Ebenezer? What's the meaning behind this phrase? Certainly it's not a reference to the resurrection of a lead character in Dickens' A Christmas Carol, Ebenezer Scrooge. But admittedly, that was my only reference to the word. It's in the Old Testament that we gain further understanding of the meaning 
raising Ebenezer. In 1 Samuel chapter 7, we find the Israelites are under attack by the Philistines. Outnumbered and in fear for their lives, they plead with the prophet Samuel to pray for God's help. Samuel offers a sacrifice and prays for protection. In response, the Lord smites the Philistines and they retreat to their territory. This victory is recorded in verse 12. It reads, Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shen, and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. In Hebrew, the word Ebenezer means stone of help. This raised stone was a reminder to the Israelites of what the Lord had done for them. This Ebenezer, quite literally, was a monument set to remember the great help that God granted the one raising the stone. The Old Testament is replete with examples of the children of Israel forgetting the many miracles and spiritual experiences given them by the Lord. In an address given to religious educators, President Kimball stated the following, The word remember could be the most important word in the English dictionary. This is a strong statement. It gives us pause to reflect on why a modern-day prophet would make such a deliberate and specific reference to the importance of one word. Today, my comments will be centered on this very principle. More specifically, the importance and value of remembering our own spiritual experiences and recognizing that these experiences given us by the Lord have brought us to where each of us are today. In other words, by remembering, we are raising our own Ebenezer. One such experience took place in my life nearly 30 years ago when I was a young missionary serving in southern Chile. On a warm summer evening in a small Chilean village filled with humble homes linked by dirt roads, my companion and I were engaged in routine missionary activities. Tucked in my pocket was a trifold organizer which contained our schedule for the week. On this particular evening, we were scheduled to teach the second discussion to a newly contacted family. We artfully dodged the barefoot children who were playing soccer in the streets, and the smoke-filled air was evidence that most people were cooking their evening meal. As we approached the small house, the children ran to alert their parents that we had arrived. We entered the humble home, and the family gathered for our lesson. In those days, the second discussion was the plan of salvation, one of my favorites. As the lesson progressed, I made eye contact with the mother and father and shared my testimony of the truthfulness of the plan. The normally energetic children sat quietly on the knees of their parents. We spoke about how they had lived before coming to earth and that God had a plan for how they could return to live with Him and their family forever. As my companion gave his portion of the discussion, I had a profound experience. The Spirit touched my heart in a way that I had never felt before. At that very moment, I could see with great clarity that this family had divine potential. I was overcome with the Spirit and remember feeling that the Holy Ghost was bearing witness to me in a very personal way that the work I was engaged in was true and that God was the author of this plan of salvation. I did not know at the time if the family was having the same experience, but my feelings were undeniably from God. The sweet witness was profound and clear. At the conclusion of the discussion, I felt an urgency to get back to my apartment and record this special experience in my journal. I did not want to forget not one detail. That evening, I carefully wrote about my experience, making special note of the spiritual confirmations that I had received. I concluded my journal entry that night with the following sentence, 
If someday in the future I ever find myself questioning my faith, please read this journal entry. This experience is an example of a monument that I raised to help me remember what Heavenly Father had done for me. I remember as a child that each year during the month of April, our family would gather around the television on Sunday evenings and watch the annual showing of Cecil B. DeMille's 1956 production of The Ten Commandments. Visions of Charlton Heston standing on the mountain with his arms raised high above his head, holding the stone tablets as the wind blew his silver-white hair and red robes are still ever-present in my memory. Keep in mind, this was before VCRs. We had no DVR machines. There was no pausing, no rewinding. It was only during commercial breaks that we could have a chance to grab a snack or maybe grab a blanket. Somehow, this immediacy made the movie even more exciting to watch. After all, if you missed something, you have to wait another year before you could see it again. <laughs> Who could forget the most glorious scene of the movie as Moses raised his staff and parted the Red Sea? The special effects that were used are even impressive today. With age and my understanding being increased, I began to wonder how the children of Israel could forget the many amazing miracles and return to wickedness. A lesser-known story of the children of Israel, but equally as meaningful, takes place on the banks of the River Jordan. In Joshua chapter 3, we find that after many years of wandering through the wilderness, the children of Israel are now poised to enter the Promised Land. With Joshua as their leader, the Israelites are about to experience yet another miracle. The Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, This day will I magnify thee in the sight of Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. As the children of Israel approached the banks of the river Jordan, Joshua was commanded that twelve men, one from each tribe of Israel, should carry the Ark of the Covenant, which housed the Ten Commandments, into the river Jordan. In verse 17, we find the description of what happened as these men walked into the river. I quote, And the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan, and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. Once again, the Lord had miraculously parted the waters for the children of Israel. However, this time the Lord had additional instructions. After they crossed over Jordan, the Lord spoke again to Joshua, commanding him that a representative of each tribe should bend down and pick up a stone, a large stone, from the dry riverbed and stack the stones as a memorial to remember what God had done for them. In Joshua 4, 21-23, we read, And he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these stones? Then ye shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until ye were passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until we were gone over. It seems as if the Lord recognized the tendency of the natural man to quickly forget their God. Perhaps this monument would help the Israelites remember the Lord and then turn their hearts to him. I also find it particularly significant that this scripture references that this monument, built by the Israelites, will also stand as a witness to their children, who may ask of its meaning. This story has great meaning and application for us even today. Each experience that we have with the Spirit can be like placing a stone in our own personal monument, reminding us of God's hand in our lives. 
These monuments can also serve to strengthen others as we share our experiences. Some of us may have large, stable monuments that are continually built and fortified with great personal spiritual experiences that acknowledge God, while there are others who may believe that their monuments are small or maybe insignificant, perhaps even eroding. If you have these feelings, I invite you to do two things. First, look to your past. Reflect upon your life, and you will see the divine guidance of our Heavenly Father and how He has brought you to where you are today. Secondly, earnestly seek opportunities and environments where the Spirit can touch your heart. As we look to our past, we gain insight from a statement by a Danish philosopher, Soren Kierkegaard, who proclaims, Life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forward. Understanding life by looking backwards invites us to reflect upon our past. In doing so with a proper spiritual perspective, we can more clearly see that perhaps seemingly insignificant experiences from our past have set us on a specific path. Each of us were born into this world with the light of Christ, and most of us have the gift of the Holy Ghost. At some point, you have felt the presence of God. Maybe it was a small prompting to make a particular decision or a simple witness that you felt when someone bore testimony. By recognizing these experiences, you are building your own monument. If we don't reflect upon these moments, then, even as the children of Israel, we risk forgetting that they ever happened. Allow me to share a personal experience of how an almost forgotten event in my past suddenly has new meaning. In my current role as a teacher, I have the opportunity to work with students over the course of several years. Through these prolonged associations, I have the chance to get to know the students on a more personal level. It's with the permission of this former student that I share the following story. In most ways, Julie was a typical student. She was bright, articulate, and enjoyed all the blessings of being raised in the restored gospel. I knew a little bit about her family background. Her parents were former mission presidents, and her siblings were very strong in the faith. Julie married a wonderful man, also had been raised in the gospel. I was surprised that they didn't choose the temple to make their marital covenants, nor did they embrace the gospel in their new life together. I often thought of Julie and her husband and would occasionally see them around town with their growing family. I wondered how they were doing and if they'd once again embraced the gospel. Several years ago, I spent an extended amount of time in Nauvoo, Illinois. I enjoyed visiting historical sites of the church and was particularly touched as I stood on the property of one of my ancestors, a pioneer in the church, James Sawyer Holman. I marveled at the roster that showed the date of when he received his temple endowments in the Nauvoo Temple. It became very clear to me at that time that the unwavering faith of James Sawyer and other ancestors had provided me with the blessings of the restored gospel. In my mind's eye, I could see that I was the last link in the chain of a long line of faithful members of the Church. I pondered how different would my life be if one of those ancestors had made a different choice. Suddenly, it occurred to me that my responsibility was to remain strong in my faith, not only for my sake, but for the sake of my children, for my posterity. In a new way, I understood that my decisions didn't just affect me. Several days later, while sitting in my apartment, I continued to ponder this personal revelation. Suddenly, the name of that former student, Julie, came to mind. Since I had not seen Julie and her husband or even thought about them, I thought it was odd that it would come to my mind. 
Somehow there was a feeling that I should share these same thoughts with them. I should tell them that they were links in their own chain, in their own chain for their own posterity. At first, I pushed aside these feelings, but as they persisted, I followed through and began to write a thoughtful letter. I have to admit I questioned if what I felt was truly a spiritual prompting or just my own thoughts. I finished the letter and reluctantly sent it, not knowing if I had overstepped my bounds. I received no response. Several years have passed since that letter was sent, and the original circumstances are far now from my memory. However, a few months ago, my wife came home from the grocery store and said she'd bumped into Julie while shopping. Throughout their conversation, Julie said, Please tell your husband, thank you for the letter that he wrote many years ago about being a strong link in our chain. He should know that my husband and I are now married in the temple. My husband is serving as the elders quorum president in our ward, and I'm serving in a young women's organization. We now have an eternal family. At first, when I was told this, I didn't recall writing the letter. But upon further reflection, I did remember the strong feelings many years ago that resulted in the writing of this letter. For me, this experience is a stone added to my personal monument, one that helps me remember the importance of following the promptings of the Holy Ghost. Elder Stephen Snow of the Quorum of the Seventy states that when it comes to our own gospel progression, we cannot rely alone on our long-term memory. That is why in all our remembering, we must remember to renew. Our testimonies must continually be fed with new spiritual experiences. If my testimony is based on one singular spiritual experience I had 30 years ago on my mission, then my testimony is at risk and my monument's in danger of eroding. We must actively seek opportunities or places or opportunities or place ourselves in environments where we can feel of the Spirit. The following example illustrates the importance of choosing to participate in activities and environments where the Spirit can be present. Not too long ago, my daughter had an opportunity to attend a routine church fireside on a Sunday evening. I'm sure you won't be surprised when I tell you that this teenager was not all that excited about getting dressed up again to go to yet another church meeting. However, with constant prodding from her mother and me, she decided she would attend. When she returned home, I asked, So, how was the fireside? She replied, It was so good. I am really glad that I went. She enjoyed the blessings of the Spirit because she placed herself in an environment where the Spirit could be present. Had she not attended the fireside, she would have missed an opportunity to build her faith. For us, choosing to attend church meetings, regularly attending the temple, reading our scriptures, even attending university devotionals, make it more likely for us to have spiritual experiences. After all, it's very hard for the Spirit to bear witness to us the truthfulness of the Book of Mormon if we aren't reading it. The inspired document, The Family, A Proclamation to the World, states the following. Successful marriages and families are established and maintained on principles of faith, prayer, repentance, forgiveness, respect, love, compassion, work, and wholesome recreational activities. As parents, our favorite part of this statement is forgiveness, respect, love, compassion, work. However, our kids really like the part that says recreational activities. Over the years, we've enjoyed some very exciting and fun family vacations. In an effort to add value and excitement to the vacation, we have often made the actual announcement of the vacation an event itself. For example, 
When we traveled to Florida to visit Disney World, we cut out magazine pictures of things like palm trees, the Everglades, and alligators. Each week during family home evening, we'd present one of these pictures, and the children would try and guess where we were going. Prior to a family vacation to New York, we gave the children I Heart NY t-shirts and had them put them on while the lights were off in the evening. Then on the count of three, we turned on the lights to reveal the summer vacation plans. It was a thrill to see the excitement in the faces of our children when they discovered where we were headed. This summer, we decided our vacation would be different. Rather than just a vacation, we decided to have an experience. We applied to be in the Hill Cumorah pageant in Palmyra, New York. As parents, we knew that this would be a wonderful experience for our family and an opportunity for them to feel the Spirit as they portrayed the sacred stories of the Book of Mormon on the very hill where the plates were buried. We also knew that it might not sound quite as exciting as Disney World or New York City. So we intentionally decided that we would just let these vacation plans slip out in casual conversation. My conversation with my 14-year-old son went something like this. Hey, by the way, your mom and I are really excited. Our family's been accepted to be part of the Hill Cumorah pageant this summer. We'll be spending 17 days in Palmyra, New York. Isn't that great? I curiously awaited his response, as expected. It did not elicit the normal outburst of excitement. All I got was a blank stare. After a long pause, he gave me a thoughtful and respectful response. Dad, no offense, he said, but this kind of reminds me of being in second grade, and the teacher comes into class all excited about a field trip to a museum, and we just had to slap a smile on our faces and pretend we were excited to go as well. <laughs> he finished up the conversation with one final jab. He said, are you sure that you and mom aren't just wanting to relive your glory days of being performers? <laughs> I assured him that was not our intent at all. Quite the opposite. Our hope was that our participation in this pageant would place our children in an environment where they would have an opportunity to have their very own personal, meaningful spiritual experience. It was a way for them to build their own testimony and provide a stone for them to place into their very own monument that they would always remember. The day we arrived at the pageant, it was particularly hot and humid. We gathered in the pavilion for instructions on how this event would unfold. Within moments, we were alive with the idea of portraying the stories of the Book of Mormon on the Hill Cumorah. The children gained excitement as they received their roles and tried on costumes, and we began rehearsal. These 17 days were filled with opportunities to fill of the Spirit as we reenacted the scenes of the Book of Mormon. We visited the sacred grove and relived details of the restored gospel. Each night as I watched the production unfold from backstage under the starlit sky, I was reminded how much of the turmoil and strife in the Book of Mormon was the result of the people not remembering. Even though Laman and Lemuel had seen angels and other heavenly manifestations, they seemingly forgot constantly murmuring against their father and their brother. In their cases, their inability to remember resulted in an entire nation turning from God. Former church historian and recorder Marlon K. Jensen emphasizes the importance of remembering. I quote, If we pay close attention to the uses of the word remember in the Holy Scriptures, we will recognize that remembering in the way God intends is a fundamental and saving principle of the gospel. This is so because prophetic admonitions to remember are frequently calls to action, to listen, 
to see, to do, to obey, to repent. When we remember in God's way, we overcome our human tendencies simply to gird for the battle of life, and we actually engage in the battle itself, doing all in our power to resist temptation and avoid sinning." Close quote. When we think of remembering, it's easy to conjure up an idea of an aged man in a rocking chair recalling events of the past. However, Elder Jensen reminds us that remembering is not enough. Those memories must propel us to action to continually seek to do the will of our Heavenly Father. In Mosiah chapter 4, verse 30, King Benjamin gives a warning. But this much I can tell you, that if you do not watch yourselves and your thoughts and your words and your deeds and observe all the commandments of God and continue in the faith of what ye have heard concerning the coming of our Lord, even unto the end of your lives, ye must perish. Remember and perish not. The final words, remember and perish not underscore the plea of prophets, both modern and old, that if we do not want to perish, we must remember. On a personal level, this means that our memories of God's hand in our lives are not only monuments to God, but they are living testaments that He loves us and is aware of each one of us and our personal needs. One of the final scenes of the pageant is the portrayal of the destruction of the Nephite nation, with bodies strewn about the stage and smoke filling the air we see Mormon handing the plates to Moroni. Later, there is a final plea from Moroni. In Moroni 10:27, we read, And I exhort you to remember these things, for the time speedily cometh that ye shall know that I lie not, for ye shall see me at the bar of God. And the Lord God will say unto you, Did I not declare my words unto you, which were written by this man, like as one crying from the dead, yea, even as one speaking out of the dust. A week ago today, we returned from the pageant. My once skeptical son is now earnestly asking, can we please, please do this again? As we traveled home, we all exchanged our favorite quotes from the now memorized script, and we spoke of memories that we would carry with us. We all felt a renewed commitment to nurture future spiritual experiences. In an effort to follow Moroni's exhortation to remember these things, we took time as a family to write down in our journals what we experienced and, more importantly, how we felt. The protection of these precious, delicate memories deserved all our efforts to preserve them. After all, it is very possible that the very recollection of these moments at a yet undetermined time in the future might provide much-needed strength. This experience certainly served as a very large stone in each of our monuments to remember. As Robert Robinson penned the last verse of Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, he noted the tendency for man to forget God. I quote, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, O oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Close quote. The author of this song died in the year 1790. There are accounts that he also had wandered from the God he loved. A widely told but unverifiable story relates that while he was riding in a stagecoach, a fellow lady passenger sat next to him and was humming the tune of this now well-known hymn. Robinson turned to the lady and responded, saying, Madam, I am the poor, unhappy man who wrote that hymn many years ago, and I would give a thousand worlds if I had them to enjoy the feelings I had then. 
Brothers and sisters, I testify that as we seek opportunities to fill the Spirit and make efforts to reflect upon those experiences, we will raise our own Ebenezer, our very own stone of remembrance, which will enable us to see God's hand in our past and give us assurance and faith that He will provide for us in the future. I share these things with you, and I do so in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been listening to Finding Center. Join us every weekday for an hour of inspiration and spiritual focus. Today's theme was Remembering the Lord Our God, with thoughts from Ulysses Suarez and Kurt Holman. Find links to the full text, audio, and video of these addresses at byuradio.org slash findingcenter. Finding Center is a production of BYU Broadcasting.